Hey everybody, welcome to A Girl Talks Podcast. It has been an incredible year, so much has happened and um, I really, really want to talk about um, life after abuse, any type of abuse, whether it's mental, emotion, physical, financial, Um, and I want to also stress that um, victims of abuse don't only look like a certain way. A lot of times people think that um, it's only women. Men can be victims too. Some people think that it's only people in certain economical bracket. That's completely false. Um, and as a survivor, I want, I know I don't wear the image of what you imagine uh, a survivor of abuse or a victim of abuse would look like. Um, Basically, abuse is not prejudice to anyone. It could happen to your friend. It could be happening within your family. It could be happening uh, next door in your neighbor's house. Um, People have died in the hands of other people who have promised to protect and love. And instead, it's, it's a nightmare You, I just don't wish anybody to ever have to endure. And abuse is not just physical. Like I mentioned, it could be mental, it could be emotional, it could be financial as well. Um, as a survivor of abuse, I will say um, it's it's already hard dating. Like dating alone is just already difficult. You know, the, the, the dating pool is not all that fun. People pretend to be something they're not. And if you are a survivor of abuse, it makes it a lot harder too because now not only are you putting yourself out there again, open to take the risk, you are risking a chance of getting hurt again. And I'm not talking about just the hurt of having your heart broken, but having a bone broken. And as someone who has had their bones broken, it is not fun and it is not something you want to do again. So if you find yourself really into a girl or a guy and you know that they've been through abuse in any of those categories that I just mentioned, here are some things that you should know about dating a survivor of abuse. As someone who has survived, I mean, this this is, this happened to me back when I was like 22, 23. I'm 38. I know I don't look it. I know I'm, I've gotten viral on TikTok because people don't believe my age or, or they make fun of my age. Like, oh, what's wrong with you? Being single, never married, and not having kids. Well, shame on you for trying to make someone feel bad. And shame on you because you don't know everybody's story. And you don't know mine unless you've been following me or unless you catch me when I'm talking about it such as today streaming on both Twitch and TikTok and recording this for my podcast. Um, I have survived all types of abuse. And when I finally started therapy in 2020, I realized that the abuse that I experienced stemmed far back as me having been a chubby girl with braces and glasses dealing with bullying. There was a lot of mental and emotional anguish that came about that, which resulted in me abusing myself, me starving myself, me hurting myself, me not loving myself, me me being my own worst enemy with my thoughts and words that I had to tell myself. So I was abusive to myself. And then as I grew older, I attracted what I felt and I felt like I wasn't deserving of the things that I very much well and all of us deserve. Um, I was attracting people that were going to abuse me and some have done it in ways that are not the same as others. Um, Some may not have done it even intentionally or aware of, but I have survived 
emotional and mental abuse with my romantic partners, financial abuse as well, and physical abuse. And I've experienced all of this with one specific person. The other ones, like I said, may have not had an idea. It was through therapy. I realized that, wow, <laughs> that is a little bit abusive. And, it, and, and as someone who survived and went on to be in two relationships after that, it's painful to hear that you became a victim again. And it's something that you almost carry shame and guilt with because you're like, but I thought I, I thought I learned my lesson. And you're going to be repeating the same thing, maybe not to the extreme as the other until you actually do learn the biggest lesson. And for me, it was like learning to use my voice, learning to set boundaries, learning to communicate and learning when to let go and leave. Um, it's painful. Uh, surviving abuse, you deal with so much anxiety, you know, and I'm, I've, I was never an anxious person before my abuser. Um, and I have since become so much calmer and collective and grounded in my Virgo self. For those that believe in astrology, you understand what I mean by that. If you don't, it's okay. Don't worry. I'm grounded. <laughs> I'm a grounded person. Um, but abuse it does something to you. It it, it, it it makes you see people in a way that you never imagined people capable of. Like you see these things on TV, you see and hear nightmare stuff, whether it's reading a, a fictional book or watching a thriller suspense horror film, but uh, you fail to remember that this can actually happen in real life too and that it can happen to you so when it does happen to you it's 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 very traumatic um and it also sets you back it, it creates this whole you know i'm not worthy i'm not worthy i'm not worthy maybe i deserve it maybe i deserve it mentality and if you don't get yourself out of the victimhood mentality you are going to be in a victim place you're always going to be in a place of, of, of you have to take self-accountability. I'm so big on that. You know, I realized looking back that I should have left. I realized I should have loved myself more. I realized I should have gone to therapy. I realized so many things, but it's never too late to leave. It's never too late to take accountability. It's never too late to get the therapy and help you need. For me, interestingly enough, I worked in the field of psychology. I worked in the psychiatric crisis center and I still felt like I didn't need it. I didn't need it. I didn't need it. I know all the tools. I know what to do. But all I did was just throw a smile on my face and pretend to be okay when inside I was falling apart and just struggling to keep it together. So it was 2020 was such a learning curve for me. 2020 was a place that I got to address my post-traumatic stress disorder. It was a place that I got to get to really get diagnosed with my smiling depression and to see and learn how to navigate through this and not live a life of fear. You see. I stayed in a lot of relationships that were no good for me, um, whether it was mind, financially, spirit, whether it was physical or emotional, um, because I was codependent. I didn't know. I was too afraid to be by myself. And when 2020 happened and I was forced to be by myself, you know, I went through a breakup, didn't even see it really ever happening. And when it happened then, I was stuck in the four walls that I've been in and it just forced me to not you know, solve other people's problems, get distracted by work, 
go and explore new things. It sat me right in the house, staring at myself in a mirror and trying to figure out how do we finally end this cycle? How can we heal? How can we move forward? How can I learn to not stay in these situations or find these type of situations? And how do I just break that that pattern and that cycle? And so 2020 forced me to be single. It forced me to be in myself. It forced me to put the work in. And it forced me to be alone. And it taught me that I could thrive not just survive but thrive and especially by myself and it taught me that i didn't need to find happiness in others or find happiness in fixing and helping others it it taught me so much about myself that it brought me so much joy however i learned as the years went by here i am on tiktok proud to be 36 37 you know never been married no kids da, 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 da. and i am because the old me would have been in a very unhealthy relationship that just wasn't good for me and wasn't serving me and pretend to be okay but inside i'm withering away but the new me the new me was embracing this solitude that i i was so afraid of having i was so afraid to be alone be left alone so what was very interesting for me was that i was able to embrace And find the good in being alone. And I found the beauty. And what that did was that allowed me to focus my energy on myself. That allowed me to better myself. If you see what I looked like three years ago versus what I look like now. Even with the weight lost and the healthy. I look healthier. I look younger. I look, you know, better. I feel better. And I just want people to know whenever I talk about this and anything. Whether it's a caption on, you know, in in my Instagram. Whether it's a tweet. Whether it's a podcast. The healing never ends. It's not like a one-time fix-all. It, it never ends. It's continuous. And if you're going to date someone who has survived any type of trauma, you have to be aware of that too. That there's going to be great days and there's going to be days that are a little bit harder. And kind of like what Bob Marley said, right? He said something to this context of um, shame the man who um, entices the heart of a woman with no intention of loving her. And All of us, men and women, um, have our love language, have our preference of how we want to feel safe and loved and and understood. And if you know what they've been through and you know that you can't handle it or deal with it, then do yourself a service and do that person a service and don't open up their heart to you. Don't allow that. Just, you know what, Mm, can't do it. You're cool, but I can't. And if you're in a relationship with someone who has dealt with any type of trauma or abuse and you realize that there's these these triggers that do happen, some that might have nothing to even do with you or things that are triggered by you, have patience, be kind because they're going through not only the trigger you caused but the trigger that was caused by their abuser whether it was six days ago six weeks ago six years ago you know people think that oh my god time has gone by when are you gonna get over it? it you never get over it this is why i wish it upon nobody not even like the person that irks me the most you know because this is something you just can't shake off it's something you work through so here are some tips when dating a survivor of domestic violence. I know that I went on a little little rant and I know I was talking about, you know, everything. But I think if you're new to this podcast and you come across this episode first, aside from the 
many others that I have that this was a really nice, whoo, you know, bigger scale of understanding the woman behind the microphone and in front for some who are watching this live. Um, survivors of violence or abuse need validation. And I don't mean validation like, oh my God, honey, you're beautiful. Da, 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 da. Like, no, we don't want that. One of the most important things that you can do and offer a survivor is to let them know that it's okay to be having hard times. That's the validation I'm talking about. That it's okay to, you know, be a little guarded in times that you feel fearful. That's the validation I'm talking about. That it's okay to ask for space and set boundaries when you're going through stuff. You're validating their feelings because it's real. Many survivors of abuse experience extreme fears from the past. Extreme fears of where their mind might lead them because you're a whole new person. You have to try to wrap your mind around this idea. Imagine falling deeply in love with someone who convinced you that they were madly deeply in love with you. And they were able to hurt you so bad, they almost killed you. I almost died. Wrap your mind on that. And here you are, someone that's loving them. Someone that is uh, in their life. And I'm not saying, this is, this is not the same as like, oh, you were in a, in a, in a relationship and you should compare every guy. To, no, there's no comparing. This is, this is not comparing. This is you understanding and validating their feelings. What we're asking for is just see us, understand us. And be patient with us and validate what it is that we're going through. Because sometimes what we end up doing a lot is we end up thinking of the worst possible outcome. We're waiting for you to do something because the last person came out of left field and did something when we, were, when we had our guard down. So validate us. Make us feel safe. Make us feel seen. Make us feel loved. And no, this isn't you cleaning up someone else's mess. This is you loving your person the way it, she or he needs to be loved. Okay? Another thing that I can advise people who are dating or talking to or interested in someone that has survived anything that's traumatic like domestic abuse. Sometimes listening or just being there is all we want. You know, all we want is just to talk. And that's also really hard for us to do. It's really hard for us to open up and relive certain things because we end up feeling guilty of our lack of self-love for staying in something so horrible that we feel ashamed the more we talk about it. We feel judged. So all we really need is just for you to offer support. Offering support to, to someone who survived, you know, that entails not only receiving that information, but receiving it without judgment. So when we talk about trauma in this podcast, um, it... <laughs> 
something so small could have triggered them. Whether it was you raising your voice just a little octave higher than normal can trigger somebody. Understand that that doesn't mean they're crazy. It doesn't mean they're overreacting. It doesn't mean they're dramatic. It means that they're trying. They're trying every day to love the way they want to be loved. And trust me, a lot of survivors are sometimes the best thing that can happen to you because we have such big hearts. We have such big hearts that we give and overgive and overgive. And and it's okay because that's how we love. We love to love. So just allow support, you know? And when talking, in case they were like, you know, what are your thoughts? What do you think? When you do talk, be mindful of the words that you choose. And this, I think, goes for just anybody, not just someone that survived abuse. If someone's going through it, whether it's a loved one like a family member or a friend or a colleague or a romantic partner, you know, be mindful. Because a lot of the times when we do share our own thoughts, it can be judgmental. So try to communicate without judgment. I think I said that three times in the last minute. Because while we were dealing with abuse, we dealt with a lot of judgment from our abuser. You know, you're a piece of, mm, you're ugly, you're, 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 you're useless, you're this, you're that, you know. And it's trying to uncondition the mind of something that is so not normal that for some time in our life was digested as normal. Be a good human, basically, you know? And when you ask questions, asking questions is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It allows for more understanding, more connection. Uh, and with connection and communication comes a better, stronger relationship. But be careful with how you ask because asking too many questions too can just touch on too many emotions that maybe they're not ready to talk about just yet. It's uh, it's interesting. And for some people, it might be like, oh, this is too much work. Well, if communicating with someone you love is too much work. When for the basics of a successful, healthy relationship is work and communication, then maybe you just shouldn't even be in a relationship, period. <laughs> Not even just because she's a survivor, he's a survivor of abuse, okay? Because experiencing trauma feels so isolating especially when you are with someone who has never dealt with anything like like imagine dating someone whose only issue was like oh my god you know my parents made me work for my college books and it's like what like that's the only struggle you've had oh my god thank you for giving me hope for the future you know like i could think of my niece and my nephews or my future children who mind you i froze my eggs this and last year and had to do two two rounds of egg freezing um i got so much ish about that on my tiktok tiktok can be so mean sometimes i don't know why but um anyway um experiencing trauma can be very isolating you know uh and when you feel isolated, you feel alone. So when you're in a relationship, you don't want to feel alone. And when you're with your partner who you love, you should remind them that they're not alone. 
the reason why I talk about domestic violence a lot and the reason why I made this movie was so that my sisters and brothers who are currently in an abusive relationship, to give them hope, to remind them that they're not alone, to show them what life could look like after abuse, um, and to show them the light at the end of the tunnel. Because it is a bright light and it is a good light. And trust me, it's a life you have that you have control of how you want to control the narrative and how it ends. You have control of that pen on your paper for your book. I always believe that anybody, whether you've been a victim of abuse or not, when you get out of a relationship, you have two things that you can choose from. You can either choose to be better or choose to be bitter. I actually wrote a song called Bitter Better. For those that don't know, I also am a singer-songwriter. You can follow me on Spotify. Search my first name, Jasenia, and then type in the word Phoenix. You can listen to my EP. That was a beautiful healing process for me. <laughs> hi, 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 everybody's. I want to know that I want you to know that I see you. <laughs> and I see you. Um, and I appreciate you if you're still listening um let me look at my notes real quick i talked about oh when you're dating someone uh who survived abuse okay understand the complexity of these two understand the complexities of these triggers and experiencing triggers i want you all to know is different than being upset or being angry like going through a trigger is not the same as saying, oh, she's upset. She's angry. Everyone always confuses that. Like, oh my God, you know. One thing I will say survivors do, once they find their voice, they find their voice, they use it. I've been using my voice for as long as I, I, I've, I've found it. And some people might think, oh my God, she's so loud. And I don't mean loud by my volume because I'm not, I'm very soft-spoken. I'm very articulate, and I think and process my thoughts. Um, nowadays, women that use their voice to stand up for the greater good of anything, any cause, any movement, any thought, any vibration, they're like, oh, she's dramatic, she's loud, she's that. And it's crazy because I also realize that women can be labeled loud, women of color can be labeled loud, women who've survived trauma can be labeled loud, but what is a word that you use for men who use their voice to stand up for a greater good? We don't call them loud. What is that about? And that's actually another podcast episode I'm going to go and dive deep into because I love my men. Okay. I love y'all. Okay. I love my women too. I am a woman. Um, but like, there's a lot of things that I'm like, whoa, that's not right. How are you going to see or listen to something that I'm saying with love and compassion and humanity and call it loud. Why can't I use my voice? And, 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 and pardon me, I'm not being loud, you know? So let's dive into triggers and what makes trigger different than being upset and being angry. Okay. So we know, as we spoke earlier, that triggers are caused by Anything that reminds them of something that can cause uh, anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress, you know, in general, trauma. 
But not everything that upsets an individual is a trigger, you know? Um, there's been a lot of conversation about the difference and how to distinguish the difference between a, a traumatic trigger and that of feeling upset, okay? An emotional trigger means that someone or something reminded the survivor who survived trauma of a thing in their past and a thing of their past that they just still can't shake off because it's so hard, something that's unresolved, you know? And triggers then cause a reaction. It causes for an emotional response. It causes for this feeling of fight or flight. So some people may, I don't know, uh, instigate an argument out of nowhere. <laughs> a lot of us do that when we're also unsure of the space we're in because we kind of like, we expect someone to leave or we expect someone to take their mask off and unveil who they really are. So we're like pushing these buttons and, you know, kind of instigating something. That's what the triggers cause, you know, we're like, ah. And someone looking in might be like, well, why are you always causing, you know, why do you always want to fight? And it's like, it's not fight. It's my fight or flight defense mechanism. I'm trying to see if I'm safe. I'm trying to see if we're good. I'm trying to see if if if, if this isn't going to change and you're going to like pull that rug from underneath my feet and then totally throw me off balance and have me fall flat on my face like I did 10, 12, 13, 20 years ago or 10, 20 days ago. You know what I'm saying? So triggers cause an emotional reaction and this will then alter what your experience with your emotions so you can like i said get a little defensive and get a little bickery you know and, and you kind of test the buttons or you can fall into like deep crying spells or you can withdraw or you can disassociate and be like i'm numb to the world nothing affects me um but all these you know are emotional responses to triggers which have to do with something that's been unresolved. Feeling upset now, just feeling simply upset, it's still a valid feeling. You know, something must have happened for you to feel upset. Like, you're not just like, I'm upset, you know? Something had to have happened where you feel that it's just a reason to be upset. Like, if someone, I don't know, cuts you off on the road, you have all the right to be upset. If someone shows up 30 minutes late to your, you know, your, 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 your scheduled time to meet, you know, you have all the right to be upset. So it's valid, but it's different than a trauma response. And, oh, let me make sure that my audio, yeah. I got to figure out this whole thing with, is it working? Test, test, test. Hold on one second. Test, test, test. Okay, I hope it stays on. I hope it stays on. I don't know how to connect. I don't know how to do this. I'm talking from this. Uh, I hope you can hear me. Um, hi, everybody. Hi, hi, hi. So, yes, um, let me look at my notes. Oh, yeah, so feeling upset is also valid, but it's different than a trauma response. You know, some survivors can repress this response and... Some of them don't know how to navigate or process or experience this response. So what they do is that they disassociate. And even though if someone doesn't experience that trigger in that moment 
and then they disassociate themselves, it will then come back in a larger scale at any given time. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. I'm not going to tell you what to do for anybody that deals with their emotions. I found that it is better to talk about it in the moment. Some people need to walk away, collect their thoughts, and talk about it 5, 10, 15 minutes later. Other people wait too long, and then at that point, there's, they feel all right, but they haven't addressed the issue, which then causes it to be a grander issue, and that's the same with trigger responses if you don't process it and you don't tackle it then you'll be fine but when it comes back again it just like it's a volcano it really is so my suggestion oh let's not that's best egg trying to give me they're like we approved your loan but well we need some more documentations like stop <laughs> i'm trying to consolidate my 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 expenses anyway um so yeah, some su- survivors uh, won't process it in the moment and then it becomes this physical burden. Sometimes, have you ever heard of the thing that, you know, you can make yourself sick and you can also heal yourself? Well, yes, you can also heal yourself. And with the same truth that you can heal yourself, you can make yourself sick as well. I'm very, very, very much a believer of the power of spoken word and the meaning and 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 power words have so you have to always choose your words wisely um it's it's definitely true that sometimes it's better to collect your thoughts and work them out but there is no wrong or right way of handling triggers so if you are the partner or you're the person that's interested don't take it personal don't take it personal. It's not you. And if you did cause something to hurt them, then it is you, but it's you plus the past. So be patient with them. Be kind. Be understanding. You know, while it's possible to help someone who is a survivor of abuse work through their trauma, it's also important to make sure that if it's not in your comfort zone, or in your professional uh, experience, that the best thing to do is to make them feel understood. Hey, I know you're going through a trigger right now. I'm sorry that I might have caused something and I know that it's me plus other things from the past. I want you to know that I'm not going anywhere. I love you. I'm here when you're ready to talk to me. Um, But I don't feel like I can do anything right now if you won't allow me to or if you feel uncomfortable. I respect your boundaries. I'm here for when you want to talk. That is the best thing you can do. That's actually the best you can do, period, for anybody, whether they're your friend, your family member, coworker. Like, hey, you're going through something right now. I feel the tension. Maybe it's about me. Maybe it's not about me. Maybe it's all the above. But guess what? I'm here for when you're ready to talk. Because you can't pressure them to talk either. You can't push them to resolve their issues right away either. It's not about you. It's about their reality and what they're going through and their perception. Okay? So um, when you're dating a survivor, make sure to check in on them. And I'm not talking about, oh my God, you know, (laughs) keep tabs on them. Where you at? No. I'm talking about. It is nice to say, hey, how are you? 
I hope you have a great day. How's your day going? How are you feeling? These are important things in just relationships general in romantic. You know, sometimes guys especially don't understand like when a girl says, hey, you don't text me enough. They're not like, hey, you know, let's small talk. It's more like, hey, I want to know that you're thinking of me. And it takes two seconds to send the message out. It's not that serious, but it is that serious. You know, I think it's funny when people are like, I'm so busy and I don't have time. You're talking to number one busy woman here. Okay. But yet I get things done. So when you're talking to a survivor, it's safe to say for you that reaching out, even saying, how's your day? Is there anything you need me to do? I'm thinking of you. Those are little small things, basic, simple things that will make them feel so safe, so seen, and so loved. That's also like tip girl 101. I'm giving some secrets to the men out there and women there, okay? Some women will consider it romantic. I know I do. Hey, it's romantic. They just text me, I love you, and I'm thinking of you. That's romantic. You know what that costs? Zero dollars and maybe one second of your time. Um, We're getting closer to the end of my list, so I want to say thank you for anyone that's tuned in since the whole beginning of this podcast. Um, when I mentioned boundaries, it's so important to set them for both of you because it helps cultivate a healthy relationship when it comes to being a loving partner or friend or family member it's best to follow the survivor's lead okay especially someone that's 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 dealt with trauma and what that means is because someone who has survived trauma has had their sense of control completely violated completely stripped away from them, completely, you know, abominated by, by their abuser. So when you allow them to have a little bit of control on how they allow you in and out and the boundaries that they set, they feel like they have a sense of self, a sense of autonomy, a sense of control. And control is not a bad thing because controlling the way you process things is not a bad thing. It's bad when you're Telling people, oh, you can't go out until unless you tell me where and who and what and when. That's 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 a whole different controlling. If a person's saying, I just want you to respect my boundaries, let them have that bit of control. And that's healthy. And that also will allow you to say, hey, these are my boundaries too. And it gives you a sense of autonomy. It gives you a sense of control, a sense of self. Okay. Trying to ensure that the survivor has a support system and a sense of control is so vital for any type of healthy anythings, okay? And know that when a survivor of abuse runs to you with a matter that's out of your scope, meaning you're not, you know, this is not, when I have people sometimes sending me these beautiful long paragraphs that I'm able to, you know, write back to, I'm happy. When there's something that's really intense and I'm like, wow, this is not in my professional bracket, even though I know what a professional would say, this is not my patient. And and now it's gone far from just communicating both them and I to a, a, a cry for help. So when you're in a relationship where you feel like there's a cry for help, 
you got to call the professionals is what I'm saying. And that doesn't mean they're crazy. That doesn't mean anything. That means, you know, when you have symptoms of a, of a heart attack coming in, you go to the hospital, you go to a professional, you don't call your friend or your mom, you go get help. So there is no shame in, 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 in maintaining a healthy mind or body or soul or whatever, you know. Because while a person is healing from abuse, whether it's months, years, weeks, they're learning how to create healthy relationships and identifications because they have been programmed with certain things that are not normal and they have to unlearn those things. I remember the first time I went on a date after my abuser, I was so thrown off when he opened the door for me part of me was a little upset and annoyed too like i can open the door for myself what do you think like i'm not capable obviously i didn't say that out loud i said thank you but that was what was going on my mind seriously and i had to work and i'm like girl you deserve to be open door you're supposed you know your, your chivalry should be a thing you know like it's very interesting when you break down the psychology and actually try to put yourself in shoes that you might have never had a clear perspective on because you never would have worn those shoes. But never say never because I was one of those people. I would never be caught dead in a abusive relationship. I know that I would leave. I love myself too much. Tolerate that nonsense. Guess what? Love will make you do some crazy things. And you don't fall in love with an abuser. You fall in love with this person that isn't real. You fall in love with a person who has literally been lying to you from the beginning. And then your reality and your perception of what's the truth is so thrown off that you just don't know what to believe and what to do. And and you're so far deep in that you find yourself living with them now and you have no friends, no family because they kept you away from it all. And now you have no sources of reaching out to anybody because they have control of your social media. They have control of your phone. They have control of any access that people may have. And it's scary. It is scary. So yes, yes, those movies that you see, like you only see like 45 minutes of what a, a, a victim of survivors of abuse have to go through. You know, I was in mine for a year too long, a year that felt like in forever. I, I just thought it was never going to end. It felt like a lifetime. Okay. And yes, I was in my early 20s and yes, I'm closer to my 40s now and I have done so much work and i am proud of myself and 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 i'm proud of whoever chooses to love me and stay with me you know i am in a relationship now and 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 like i said relationships are not easy period they're not they're not easy period you know but he's supportive he allows me to do my of he allows me to uh live my life he allows me to have my friends he allows me to do and that's beautiful because i love chatting and i love creating and i and i love the small group of friends that i do have in my life so identifying what is healthy identifying what that looks like and what you're deserving of is so critical and being that partner for them is so important I was in two relationships after surviving abuse and they're both long you know one tiered into almost three years and the other one almost into two years and and that's long you know 
but I never got a chance to feel safe to talk about what I was going through in my heart and my mind and my spirit. I pretended to be okay. And I, I pretended that I had no problems, which is why I was helping them with their problems when really I should have focused on myself. I didn't know what healthy looked like. I, I thought I thought I was that, but I realized that by avoiding taking care of me and only focusing on them led to me building resentment like hey what about me well what about me i'm here basically saying i'm good when i'm not and i'm falling apart inside so yes navigating post abuse you start realizing things about you too that you need fixing and working on And you are your own biggest project. That is okay to say. Because everyone is different. And everyone processes trauma differently. There's no wrong way, no right way. Some people will want to jump back into their normal life. But like I said, there is no normal. Like the The things that were once normal becomes abnormal. Like, oh my God, a guy is paying for my bill. He's not manipulating me to think that I should be a woman that's empowered and that I should go 50-50 or cover this bill myself. Like, uh, you know, listen, to each their own. But you have to understand, I dealt with someone that lied to me about their financial stability, and then I ended up being their ATM machine. Ouch. I didn't know I was their ATM machine. I was always led to believe that I'll pay you back later. I promise to pay you back later. Like, whoa. Whoa. Love will have you do some things. A survivor of abuse may have heightened sense sensitivity surrounding different arguments or different misunderstandings or different ideas or ideals or disagreements. You know, when you're speaking with a survivor, it'll become very clear that one of the common trends that us survivors have is that we feel a little triggered whenever there's conflict. We feel a little confused whenever there is a disagreement. We feel like, hey, you know, let's let's alert, alert let's 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 white flag, let's not fight. But what an, a survivor has to understand is that arguments are healthy. They they're they're meant to lead to a healthier result when carried along a healthy way. And what a a, a person dating a survivor needs to understand is that, yes. There will be complications and there will be arguments and there will be disagreements and that's okay. But also understand that it is nobody's fault to to drag it on. Some people then once they face this argument, this bitter, this conflict, this like 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 survivors will drag it as far out to make sure like there's no room for doubt. So we do, we make sure that there's no room for doubt. And we realize that there's no more room for doubt, that everything is really good, then it's it's fine. It can be exhausting for your partner. And, I, you know, it takes a special person to love us. But I'll tell you, we love and we love so hard. Oh my God, we love so hard. We love so hard. We could be the best thing in your life. I, I promise you we can. Just patience, you know, 
if you believe in anything or if you've read the, the, the scripture quote, you know, love is patient, love is kind, love is never boastful, it never insults, you know, it never takes advantage, all that stuff. That's true. It's true. And this is love. And I swear, if you can get through this with a survivor, you're going to find a love that you never knew. You're going to be spoiled in a way that you never knew. When you make them feel so safe and, and loved and that they feel like that they can love you, oh my God, you're going to experience a whole sense of, 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 of love that you never even knew, that you only thought your mother could give you or your father could give you, depending on your preference and identity and all that stuff. So I want to end this podcast saying that every trauma is unique. Every survivor will respond differently. I'm sure there are things, if you're listening to this right now, whether you're a survivor, whether you've never been in abuse and you're dealing with a survivor, you can relate. Why? Because human experience is human experience. We all go through our highs and our lows, and some people are so blessed to have never dealt with some of the lows that other people have experienced, but that's not to say that their lows that they've had in the past isn't equal or, or valid. No, they, they're real. So let me end it with this. As a supportive person, as a supportive partner, it can be difficult to watch a person you love recover from a traumatic experience. It could be frustrating, it could be exhausting, it could be it can make you sad. Like why my girlfriend, my boyfriend they didn't deserve that. But with that being said, it's important to separate how you feel about what they're processing and what they're navigating through and take away what your experience because it's not about you. You are part of their life and your feelings are valid, but all you have to do is let them let you in. The only time it's appropriate to get involved is when they let you in. And that's with anybody. Not just a survivor of domestic violence. It's appropriate to get involved with the survivor saying, hey, I'm ready for you. Hey, I want to talk about it. Hey, can you just be here? Because ultimately, surviving abuse and living with it after, you're going to always as a survivor, and I'm telling you this, deal with the after effects. It doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. It gets better. And when you're not in that abusive relationship anymore, hell yeah, it's much better. It takes a lot of work within yourself, and it takes a lot of work with your partner as well. So having a supportive family, friendships, love, makes a world of difference for us. Hearing us and validating what we've been through, what we're currently experiencing. Reminding us that we are safe. Believing that what we're experiencing is true and not making it about you or taking it personal is huge. It's a massive, massive help. And while it's true that no one person can help someone on their journey to heal, especially from domestic violence, it's also true that every little contribution that you put into that person's life counts if you or someone you know 
is experiencing or has experienced domestic violence or abuse, you can seek help by calling the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. There are also individuals who are deaf or hard of hearing. They can also have a, they have a special phone number for that. You can look that up Google. There's also a National Child Abuse Hotline. And there's also a whole campaign rallying against domestic violence. There is no better healing than using your voice. And you can take your time with that baby girl, baby boy. Take however long it takes. But I am telling you and I promise you that the moment you find your voice, a lot of healing will happen. And a lot of help for others will too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of A Girl Talks. There's so much about this topic that I can go on and on for days and maybe I'll just create a whole nother thing. But in the meantime, make sure to follow my Instagram, A Girl Talks Podcast. Email me at agirltalkspodcast at gmail.com for any topics or ideas that you may have related to this or non-related to this that you want me to look into and put a voice behind. I love you all. I'm sending you good vibrations and a big hug, and I hope that you feel it too. Love you.